Jonathan Allen is sick and tired of losing, and Washington does their fair share as they dropped the game against the Giants 14-7. to We've got J.P. Flame from the Junkies. It's time for Reckoning. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Ref the District's Day After Reckoning. I'm Nathan Perry. That's the stoner. JP Flame from the Junkies will be joining us here in a moment to talk about this game. But Stoner and I, we just wanted to open it up here for the two of us real quick before JP comes in to just kind of, what the was that? I don't know, Nathan. I don't know. I've been in a daze all day today. I've just been so bummed out and that's what this team does to us year after year. And this is one of those games where you just, the, the whole week is ruined. And and I haven't looked at the tape, Nathan, like I normally do. I haven't studied it. I haven't gone through all the stuff that I normally do to prepare for all this because I'm just so bummed about what happened. Yeah. Just, well, I would like to tell you it improves uh, on a rewatch, but you can pretty much just skip the entire first half. Okay. Uh, if you don't want to get down on yourself, yeah, just skip the entire first half. It was not pretty the entire game. First half was just horrendous. The defense does hold their own in the second half. The offense comes alive a little little bit bit in the second half, but it wasn't enough to beat the New York giants. And tell you what misery loves company stoner. Mm -hmm. So why don't we bring on JP Flame from the Junkies here to bring this reckoning. Hey, JP, thanks for joining us here on Ref the District. That was a extremely disappointing loss from the Washington Commanders. Although I suppose after our entire lives, we should just kind of come to expect this, right? It doesn't matter. New ownership group, even Jonathan Allen, he's upset. And uh, it's just... it. It just wears on you, though, when you had such hope and promise. But, JP, the team is three and four and step is technically still in, right? But why does it feel like it's it's just the same? Like, they might as well be one and six at this point. Well, during Rivera's four years through seven games, we've had two and five, two and five, three and four, three and four. So it feels like deja vu. You talk about Jonathan Allen. And I'm sure we're going to get to the audio here momentarily. He hasn't been part of a winning team since he left Alabama. He's been here for seven seasons. So it is more of the same. All right, you have a different quarterback. You have a different offensive coordinator. But essentially, we're stuck in Mediocreville. And that's what's the frustrating part, especially after a 2-0 start. So there's a 2-0 start. There's a new owner. There's buzz. There's optimism. And then reality strikes. Hmm. And probably the most frustrating thing is, you know this as well as I do, there was this three-game stretch that we were mm-hmm. looking at three weeks ago saying, well, you've got the Bears who were awful, you've got the Falcons, and you've got the Giants who look terrible. These are all three winnable games. Yeah. So it looks like a huge lost opportunity. Yeah, sandwiched in between those two Philadelphia games, a Philadelphia team that we – Brought to overtime, definitely riding into that Chicago game, very confident. And now as we're about to face Philadelphia again, who just beat Miami, one of the better teams in the NFL, and now we're looking like this might be a bloodbath 
in mm-hmm. FedEx this week. But well, we had fun on the show. It was kind of tongue in cheek, but we called it a moral victory Monday after the Eagles game. But yeah. the expectation was if you played that well against a team that was in the Super Bowl, a team that everybody expects to win 12, 13, 14 games this year, that would carry over. And you had the soft part of that schedule coming up with the Bears, and we saw what happened there. The Falcons, let's be real about the Falcons game. They punted four times in the second half. They didn't even have 200 yards of offense. So it was a win. They're going to take every win. But we're seeing some serious flaws in this team, from the quarterback who takes too many sacks to the offensive line, which was terribly built, to, I think, a play caller in Eric Bieniemy that needs to be scrutinized more because – He's the guy in charge of the 40 sacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have some time to talk about Eric Minimi, uh after we talk about this Jonathan Allen situation, because this seems to be where the locker room starts to lose, be lost from Ron Rivera. Jonathan Allen have some seriously strong words for the after coaching loss staff like here. They whooped our ass, plain and simple. Got to be better. Anything they did that surprised you guys early on? No, I want to say so. I think it's just a lack of focus on our part, a lack of attention to detail, not starting fast, and creating holes that are too big for us to overcome in the second half. Does it get frustrating when that team? Yes, it does. I'm tired of this shit. I'm tired of this. It's been seven years of the same. Tired of this. What can you do now going forward to get it turned around? Get our minds right and get ready to play in Philadelphia. Yeah, do mm. your job, everybody, right? That's the big <laughs> sign that's there. He's tired of it, though. We're tired mm. of it, too, J.A. Now, Jonathan Allen joined you today, J.P., on the Junkies. And to me, at least, it sounded like he kind of tried to soften that up. Obviously, these were very harsh words that he was using, so much so that we had to bleep them out here. Otherwise, we would get fined. Um <laughs> Was that the sentiment that you got from Jonathan Allen? Like, he's still upset, obviously. Of course. But maybe he slept on it, and he's just trying to realize, maybe I shouldn't be throwing the coach under the bus. Maybe I – because that's the coach, right? That's – you know, when you say you go in and you're not prepared, that doesn't sound like it's a Jonathan Allen problem. That's a coaching problem. I think it's a little bit on the coach, but look, he's on the defense. The defense gave up 14 points. If you start the season and you say, we have 17 games, we're only going to give up 14 points – in 17 games, you got to believe you're going to win your fair share there. But let's put ourselves in Jonathan Allen's shoes. Mm-hmm. He goes to University of Alabama. He wins a ton of football games. It's got to be frustrating. Seven seasons in, he's yet to see a winning season. I don't think there's one person on that team or a fan or anybody that sits there and says, well, John Allen is not doing his job. John Allen has no right to speak out because – the defense is has been so bad. He's he's the one shining star, maybe one of two shining stars on the whole team defensively. I generally agree with you, Stoner, but I've said this a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of reputation and no results. Now, in this game, they did force eight punts, and they had a key defensive play by Deron Payne, giving them a chance to potentially come back and win the game. Yeah. But let's be real. The defense, and he's part of the defense, is ranked 29th in yardage. And the defense, which he's a part of, is ranked 29th in points per game. So the defense is a part of the problem. Sure. But do you think that he's part of the problem of the defensive problem? I'm not sophisticated enough to know. (laughs) Yeah, I rely just like you guys on some of these analytics. I looked it up today. Jonathan Allen, who I believe has been 
top five pro football focus amongst defensive linemen was ranked 41st today. Deron Payne, I believe, was in the 30s or maybe 29. So these are their stud players, and they're not ranked that high by the analytics. Again, I don't know. We know the end results, right? They're giving up a lot of big plays. So naturally, we're going to blame the secondary a lot. Emmanuel Forbes got benched a few weeks ago, and it makes sense that they give up these chunk plays. The, The Giants went into this game with only 14 all season, over 20 yards. They had six or seven in this game. So naturally, we're going to blame the secondary. But guess when the secondary doesn't get exposed? If the quarterback's on his back, if the quarterback's getting pummeled. So I do think they are part of the problem. They need to be more consistent. We see it at times. Chase Young has been a great surprise, right? He's making plays here and there. You see it from Montez Sweat. You'll see a lot from Jerron Payne. But they're not doing it consistent enough. Yeah, it's crazy that you'll see sometimes or, or you'll see often like you said, with the other team, with uh, defensively the Giants, it seems like Sam Howell's under duress every single play with what you would consider a competent, at least starting offensive line. And then you flip it over and you've got the Giants offensive line, which is five backups, some of them third stringers, and then you've got these four studs defensively, and they can't they can't win every single time like the Giants were winning. Of course, the Giants were using a lot more blitzing. But still, you shouldn't have to blitz if you've got Payne, Allen, Young, and Sweat, and they've got five guys who are all backups. Every one of those is a backup. And what you say there is probably the mindset of Jack Del Rio. It's what mm-hmm. Jonathan Allen said on our show. He said, we don't need to have blitzes. We've got guys who are paid a ton of money. We're first-round picks. Mm-hmm. But let's look at the results. To me, that's the bottom line. So yeah. where you're ranked this year. Now, last year they were really good, right? Last year, I think they were number three in yardage and top 10 in points per game against. Yep. But the year before that, they sucked. So what's right. the real defense? What's the real you know, one? Two out of the last three years, they haven't been very good. And yeah. we keep saying, well, they're supposed to be good. They're supposed to be top five, top 10. But the results aren't there. Yeah, and a lot of that is a bit swingy, too, as you have the the beginning of the seasons are atrocious, and then they start to come into form. But it's also when you look at the schedule, which QBs are they playing? Which teams are they playing? Because when they go up against a good team, they look like an average unit. And then Mm -hmm. when they go up against a bad team, they have, like you mentioned here, against the Giants where they force eight punts and only and hold them to 14 points. And so there is there's a lot to be desired. And so with Jonathan Allen, I think we all entirely are sick of it and would expect some change. I'm going to it a little bit here from stoner after the chicago game he said this is a this kind of loss is one that somebody's going to lose their job right and this this loss the giants this is one that if somebody doesn't immediate if there's not an immediate change which as of this point right now on a monday we haven't heard of anybody getting fired released sam house still the starter and everything like that but by the end of the season this is one I don't care if they win the rest of the games. Somebody is not going to be on staff next year because of this game in that Chicago game. Well, how about this? Raise your hand if you believe Ron Rivera is going to be the head coach of this team next year. You're not going to raise your hand. It's no. not going to happen, right? So what we don't know is if Josh Harris is willing to make a move in the regular season or he's kind of taking this as a punt year. And then the guy who was part of the 76ers and the trust the process, he's going to clean house and start during the off season. 
Mm-hmm. What I would say is I don't think, this is my speculation, that they're going to make a move at head coach unless it really gets bad. And it could get really bad. It Look, could. the next three games, we've got the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think anybody expects them to beat the Eagles, especially now they're playing better football, right? And mm-hmm. and the commanders already scared them once, had a chance yeah. to win the game. So I think the Eagles probably hand it to the Washington commanders. And then you go on the road against New England. They just won. Mac Jones all of a sudden looked good, 25 for 30 in the game, game-winning drive. And then they go to Seattle. Those are tough places to play. So if you lose those three and you've already lost all of these games after a 2-0 start, maybe he's impatient and says, oh, let's just see what happens if we fire Ron Rivera and make Jack Del Rio or Eric Bieniemy interim coach. But none of us know what Josh Harris is thinking right now. Yeah, and I think another domino will fall before that, right? There's always a scapegoat before the head coach leaves. And Offensive so, line coach or something. There's gonna, somebody's somebody's going to be asked to resign just yeah. to kind of, you know, calm the crowd a little bit. But then, like you said, those losses will mount up, and then maybe Ron Rivera can Let me ask you guys a question, because I was thinking about this today. Somebody tweeted us and said they would almost want to see Jacoby Brissett just to see what would happen in terms of sacks. So we're at a historic level, 40 sacks in seven games. And I posited this on the Junkie Show today. Imagine just an average quarterback, maybe a little bit above average, like Matthew Stafford or Jared Goff, under center with the same plays, Mm -hmm. the same players, same coordinator, same everything. You're just changing the quarterback. Would that guy, Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford, have been sacked 40 times? Probably not even 20. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. It's mm-hmm. unknowable, but I would guess yeah, maybe you would, 20. You, you wouldn't know, have the, really the right number, maybe sure. 15 times because maybe they changed the plays of the line. And I don't know if Powell's empowered to do this. I know I went back last night and watched the first half again. I didn't watch the second half, but the first half where he sacked five times. Most of it did seem to be on the offensive line, but the very first sack, it looked like John Bates was wide open five yards down the field, and it looks like he's looking at him and he doesn't pull the trigger. Like, mm-hmm. it's a thing. There are a lot of Sam Howell. Uh, backers, maybe they like him. They really want it to work out. It almost feels like the Heineke thing where people get <laughs> in their corner and then they're just going to defend him. Like they go, oh, well, the offensive line stinks or Ron Rivera stinks. It's his fault, that fault. Well, this happened in college. It's now happening in the pros. It's mm-hmm. a thing. Yeah, Sam Howell definitely has to do a better job. And and he is, it is very much like the Heineke thing. They're the howlers. We joke about it. We're, we're, we say we're howlers too, because we see some things from him that are absolutely electric. Sure. But then he, the sacks, this is, this is just a death knell for, for his time as a QB1. And you got to think Eric Bienemy here at some point might need to pull the trigger and move to Jacoby Brissett just to save his job and his mm-hmm. reputation because mm-hmm. right now he's taking a hit when your team only scores seven points there's only so much blame to be shifted and to your point on that first sack he did have an out and on one other it was the fourth sack i noted that sam howell had it at and had an out the others he either had no time or the wide receivers weren't getting separation or Eric Bieniemy had called the play where the nearest wide receiver is going on a 12 yard dig route. And it's just right. like, you can't have that when Sam Howe has, I think he had in the first half, Nikki J had tweeted out. He was having a 2.2 seconds to throw the ball before he had pressure in his face. 
So it doesn't they, seem like a lot of time. You not know, we, a lot of time. We, we were kind of kicking around on the show today. You know, and what I would say is I would put 50% on the offensive line. And maybe this was generous. I put 35% on the enemy and only 15% on Hal. Jason mm. thought that that was not enough on <laughs> Sam right. Hal. But I do no, think I, some of it on the play calling. Look, the Eagles game was probably their best offensive game, right? If we go back to that game. Well, is it a coincidence that that's a game where the run-to-pass ratio was almost one-to-one? And I'm not preaching for one-to-one, but mm-hmm. if you add up the attempts plus the sacks plus his runs, it's almost three-to-one in terms of dropbacks to runs. And I understand that sometimes they're not running that effectively, but second and four doesn't have to be a pass play. And right now that's a pass play in the enemy's offense, and that doesn't yeah. help you when you have a porous offensive line and a quarterback that holds on to the ball too long, who's young. Yeah. We've been tracking the, the run to pass ratio for weeks now, all the way back to week three, when it, when it kind of started looking like what, what's going on in these first couple of games, why is the run to pass ratio so bad and, or, you know, so diverse, the gap is insane. And it's not like he's got Patrick Mahomes behind him. He's coaching. Eric Bieniemy, in my opinion, is coaching like he has Patrick Mahomes back there. And he expects his quarterback to be able to set his protection properly, make the proper reads, get rid of it, move around the pocket, get outside the pocket, and make all these plays. And he just forgets that he's got a quarterback that has made eight starts in his life at this level. And so that's why I put more of it on Eric Bieniemy because Eric Bieniemy can do things to help his quarterback out. He just seems to refuse to do it. We've been talking about it forever and ever about, like you said, you don't need a one-to-one, but I've got it written down right here. In that Philadelphia game, in the first half, 15 runs to 21 passes. It's not coincidence that they were up at the halftime, 17-10 to 10 on Philadelphia. because, And I think it has a lot to do with that run-to-pass ratio. Well, It's, it's just a, a little, little bit. out of hand. A little bit to refute that just in this game here. This is after mm-hmm. the last sack, okay? Because I wanted to see how the offense performed. Because in that first half, they were god-awful. They punted six times. They had six three-and-outs, actually. They punted seven times in that first half. And then interception. Six three-and-outs, yes. And then an interception after four plays, too, by the way. So they didn't ha- get anything going there. After that, the, so they were going to go three-and-out on that first drive. They punt. They did go three-and-out. They punt. They have their best play of the game and a muffed punt that they recovered, the mm-hmm. largest gain of the, the game for them. And then they started rolling from that point forward. Now, Eric Bienemy called 11 runs to 29 passes, yeah, 44 yards on the ground, 189 in the air. And I, I mean, that's what he expects from this offense, not just, I mean, they were only down 14 and then they were down seven points on some of these calls here. So it's just, it's within reach during it. This was all before 10 minutes or most of it was before 10 minutes, or at least it was before 10 minutes in those seven, seven points, which is within reach, right? So this is what he expects his offense to do is to pick up 189 yards in the air off of this passing attack and pick up some yardage off the, the ground. But the problem is, is when, even when you look at those pass attempts, 29 pass attempts, 12 of them were incomplete. They were gifted a first down on one of those, but that's what you're talking about, JP. When you get to second and four, and sometimes they're not even getting a second and four, they're, they're, it's, they faced 
what was the stat yesterday? It was like their third down, average third down was above nine yards to go. That's why they were just god-awful and third down conversions because it's pass, 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 and 12 incompletions and 29 attempts is going to torpedo any chance you have. The best I wasn't way. sharp yesterday like he's been early in the season when he did have time to throw the football, and that might have been because of the wind, which wasn't discussed that much. We saw that on the Giants' field goal, what the wind did to that field goal mm-hmm. attempt, and it just didn't look like the ball was coming out of his arm as fast as it does sometimes. Um, but I'm more into – we can look at the one game. I'm more into the seven-game trend. Like that is a significant mm-hmm. amount to look at you know, all these things, you guys are really good at rep the district at looking at the statistics. Um, again, game situations change. I understand sometimes you're changing, uh, chasing points. So you have to throw the football more. I just think he has a tendency to prefer the pass and that's fine. I don't want to be some old school one run for every pass, but when you have a young quarterback who's not particularly adept at staying clean in the pocket, maybe Run a couple times. Like, would it be the worst thing? Think about the first possession. Say start off with the run. It's second and eight. That's the first time he gets sacked on second and eight. It's not sacrilegious to run again on second and eight. You right. can do it. And I'm not saying do that every Preach. time, but every once in a while, it probably helps your offensive line, probably helps the quarterback, keeps the defense, you know, off balance a little bit. This defense, and you knew it was coming. The Giants, who had five sacks going in, but have a coordinator who's known for blitzing, you knew they were going to come after Hal. So if you're dropping back over and over again, they now know that you're dropping back over and over again. You got to mix it up. But but why is it that you know it, I know it, Nathan knows it, everybody knows it, but why does Eric Bieniemy not know it? It's it's because it's common knowledge to, that you can't throw the ball 72% of the time, which is what they're doing. For the year, seventy-two percent. He may just be stubborn, and he may also have these expectations, maybe falsely, that his quarterback and his offensive line should perform better, right? So seven yeah. games in, he's probably saying, "Hey, we call the play. There's John Bates. Hit John Bates, even right. if it's only five yards. Don't take a sack." So it's probably frustrating for him as a play caller coming from Kansas City, where some of these things were intuitive because he has the best quarterback in the game to then work with the young guy and have an offensive line that's not executing like they want. Again, I'm not super uh, – I'm not some super expert. I'm just a fan just like you guys, right? Mm-hmm. So I rely on some of these people that look at the film, and some of these people have watched the game again, and they say, well, yeah, they had enough blockers in. They just missed assignments or this or that. So the enemy's probably saying, we've got the blockers in. We've right. got the receivers going to the right place, but something's falling apart. That said – Seven weeks in, you would think that he realizes, hey, my offensive line kind of stinks. My quarterback takes a lot of sacks. Maybe we should run more slants, more draw plays, more screens. More screens. How many screens did they? Did you notice, Nathan, how many screens they ran yesterday? I can't off the top of my head remember how many that I don't know if they had any. We've talked about any after the Denver game. It was exciting because they implemented the screen game as an offensive weapon. It wasn't like what we saw yesterday, which was a third and long. Okay, we're going to do the screen and just hope our guy gets there. Yeah, he never gets there. That was and then, the enemy. That's what everybody was yeah. praising the enemy. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was the last exactly six great. quarters. I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong. I think they've had 20 possessions and they've had 
14 punts. Yeah. Oh, geez. It's no, been awful. Right. It, it's been awful. You actually had a great stat that you uh, tweeted out. Uh, EB's offense, Eric Benemy's offense, ranked 22nd in yardage, 20th in points per game, uh, averaging 20 points per game. And last year, Scott Turner finished 20th in yardage, 24th in points per game, averaging 18.9 with the, the Spider-Man meme pointing. Yeah, and I do think a lot of it is Eric Benemy. It's his way of doing things, and they're going to try to execute. But you're right. And when it comes to Sam Howell's responsibility just to take those easy passes, if you look at the advanced analytics right now, Sam Howell is, is dogged a lot for, and rightfully so, for the sacks that he's taking. If you turn those sacks, not even you don't even have to turn all of them, just like half of them, into an incompletion, he skyrockets up into the top half of the league in efficiency. But because this is something you can't, he's not fixing. We can clearly see that. How many teams, mm -hmm. by the way, I know the answer to this. How many teams have doubled their sack total or more than doubled their sack total facing Washington on the season? Seems like every opponent. I mean, going it, back to the Bills seems. game, I remember talking about the Bills having just two sacks before right. they faced the Commanders, and then they That's had right. nine. I mean, yeah, we right. see it every week. The question, and again, this is one that we don't know, and you guys are calling yourself howlers, is can he get better at that? I yeah. was we I we was texting with, Matt with uh, Sims Grant Paulson and today, and I just brought up uh, Tim Tebow. So Tim Tebow, you know, was winning games as a quarterback, but you could clearly see he had a couple of problems, right? They said that he wasn't fast processing, like going from the first receiver option to the second receiver option to the third receiver option. And then, obviously, he wasn't great at throwing the ball. He didn't get better at either of them. Like, <laughs> right. some guys don't get better. How may – or this might just be his thing. Like when Rex Grossman was quarterback for the Washington Redskins, he had a turnover problem. It's like, man, he makes some good throws at times. He's exciting. If he could just get those interceptions out of there, but he couldn't. Right. Well, yeah. the same with Kirk too, right? He struggled with, he had the interception gene and then he worked he it out of the system. Though. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So some guys do, some guys don't. Who knows? Who, who, who knows if, this is something that he can work out, but this is who he's been. It's not like Anthony Richardson where he's played 15 games as a quarterback. This is a guy who played three years in college, and it was a problem in all three years of college. Yeah, increasingly yeah, becoming a problem. I wrote an article yeah. about this in September, and I saw Neil Greenberg tweeting people today, also from the Washington Post, mm -hmm. with a reference to that article from September – and the howlers, man, they just don't want to hear it. They keep they saying it's the it. offensive line. It's like, well, was it the offensive line when he was a freshman, a sophomore, a junior? Right, right. And, yeah. and now in the pros, you know, yeah. eight games in. There, there's a reason why he fell thing. to the fifth round, right? There's a reason why this is the reason why he fell to the fifth round. Because if you look at that, the sacks got worse as he stayed in, right? As at the by his his final year at North Carolina was his actual highest sack percentage. And now we're seeing it here in the NFL as things get faster. We talked with uh, Matt Sims on Friday, and we asked him that. We were like, can this get better? And he said, well, it's something you can work on. But like we mentioned earlier, we do not expect Ron Rivera to be here, which means he's likely going to have a third offensive coordinator in as many seasons. And that in itself is also not going to speak well to his chances at surviving here in the NFL as a QB one, at least for Washington. 
Well, One of those other- is, I think he has gotten a little bit better. Like there were a couple times where he faced pressure, got out of pack, pocket and threw it away. Now, there was also the time where he was trying to throw it away and Kayvon Thibodeau should have had a pick six. But <laughs> I think that he's not dumb. I think he's a coach's son. He's aware uh-huh. of it. But if this has been your default, I heard Brian Mitchell say this, and I didn't necessarily notice this all the time, but that when he feels the pressure, he has a tendency to look down. Well, if you're looking down, now you're not seeing your check down. You're not seeing whatever you're supposed to do. And so can you learn to throw those incompletions? Like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, they weren't mobile guys, and maybe they had better offensive lines, but they just got rid of the ball. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if that is something that's easy to learn because for maybe his entire career, going back to high school, college, and now the pros, he prefers to see guys streaking open versus maybe an anticipatory throw. And when he doesn't see that, then he goes to his next read. And maybe he doesn't go through his reads fast enough. Again, it's very tough for us to tell when we're just watching the game on TV. It is. And those streaking opens haven't been happening. The wide receivers not getting as much separation. And that's probably kind of, again, on an Eric Bienemy thing. We all expected Jahan Dotson to just kind of take this leap this year as he was very impressive in 12 games last year. And while his usage seems to be about the same, the production isn't there. And JP, he was taking a big hit yesterday, stayed on the sidelines as the teams go to midfield as he had a critical drop on fourth down that could have given Washington a chance goal to go situation. What do you make of, of Jahan Dotson's sophomore slump? I can't figure out the drops because the reputation for Jahan Dotson was, I remember, I think it was Jason, um, you know, who used to go to a bunch of Penn state games because he was tight with McSorley and kind of followed Penn state said he doesn't drop the ball. And, you know, statistically um, coming out of college, that was legitimate. He will, I, had a very minimum number of drops. Maybe it was like only one drop in college. Mm -hmm. And then last year with seven touchdowns, you're figuring that he was going to take the next step. It is a new offensive coordinator. They do seem to use Samuel on the outside. I think we all expected Dotson to be the number two. Well, it appears he's still the number three, but the weird part is the drops. And that play is not a perfect pass. It's behind him. And I don't even blame Hal because Hal could have easily been sacked on that play. How does his little spin move? He gets out of there. He's rolling to his left. But that's a catchable ball. And we've mm-hmm. seen Dotson drop at least three this season, and that is a surprise. You know, the rest of it, I don't know about the separation deal. Like, I don't think the guy got slower. Um, I do think in this offense, we're seeing how spread the ball around more, and that might just be a enemy Chiefs offense deal because the Chiefs, at least the last couple of years, since they didn't have Tyreek Hill, they haven't had a stud receiver, right? They've got Kelsey, a stud tight end, but mm-hmm. then they spread it around to running backs, wide receivers. And so maybe that's a function of the offense, but the drops, I can't figure that one out. I can't figure it out either. I mean, there was a play against uh, Atlanta. You remember this play, Nathan, where they tar- he targeted Sam, tar- Sam Howell targeted Jahan Dotson on the sideline, but it was a late throw and it led him all the way out of bounds. And Jahan Dotson just stuck up his left hand and just snagged it with one hand like it was nothing. Fingers with his fingers, not with even his, his whole hand. He just like, yeah, stuck. And it, 
And we see this all the time. We watched it. We've been to training camp. We've watched him for these last couple of years, and he catches everything. It's probably so the, the drops are just. I, I thought you were going to point out in the Atlanta game. I think he had a drop, right? One of he had a massive Al's best throws. Zero it was catches, a big play. It probably have been a forty-yard chunk play. Sure. And you know, it's it's a tough catch for like a regular Joe like us if we're yeah. catching the ball. You know, one of those over your head basket catches. It's not going right to your stomach. But he's got to catch that ball. Yeah. It, it's very interesting. Like you mentioned, Curtis Samuel is getting a lot more production in this, and they do seem to be targeting him a little bit more. But it is the it is those drops, and they're seemingly coming at critical times, obviously the fourth down. But then there was another drop earlier in the game where it was that could have extended a drive there for Washington. So do you expect him to ever, to recover this season? under Eric Bieniemy, under with Sam Howe as QB? I'm not sure what recovery would mean to you. I do think he's not going to have the drops as much. I just don't think he's going to be featured that much. Like this, yeah. this is, I mean, we're not at the halfway point of the season, but seven games is a pretty significant number of games. I don't think he's the main, look, Terry McLaurin is clearly the number one. We thought that Jahan Dotson was ascending for, for, for Bieniemy. I don't see that. Mm-hmm. And and if you're if you're um, Antonio Gibson, and you fumble the ball, you're not going to get as many carries. And if you're Jahan Dotson and you keep dropping the ball, you're not going to get as many targets. Correct. That's just how it works. The offensive coordinator is not going to trust you. The quarterback's not going to trust you. So I just kind of I expect his targets to go down because if his targets, Nathan, I think you pointed this out last week, are basically on par from last year. Mm-hmm. The catches are not, but the targets are still there the same number as last year. But I expect those to go down just because uh, EB can't trust him. Sam Howell can't trust him. Yeah, Terry Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Logan Thomas right there are probably one, two, three three in the offense as far as reliable. And then if you ever get to a check down, you're probably looking for Gibson or probably Logan Thomas was already your check down at that point. Hmm. So it it is is just – it's a it's weird bit because think about the level of difficulty for McLaurin's catch where he got crushed and got the penalty. He right. held on to that ball. Right. Meanwhile, John Dotson has ball a little bit behind him. Hits both yeah. hands. Hit Drop. both hands. Yeah. You can't uh, you're Sam could have led him, and I know Sam tried to take some credit for that, saying I yeah, he was open. I could have thrown him a better pass. If you actually look look at the play before the third and five, he predetermined the pass to Terry McLaurin, which was the right decision. Terry McLaurin's one-on-one. I'm going to trust my the rookie. I'm going to trust Terry McLaurin over a rookie. The ba- the pass was bad, but if he didn't predetermine that, he actually has Deami Brown streaking through the middle, nobody guarding him, and he has Antonio Gibson off on the right with the nearest guy about seven yards away and a bunch of green grass in front. So there was opportunities both on third down and fourth down that just didn't happen for Washington in this loss. And that's going to lead us to our go-goes and no-goes. So, JP, I try to end this on positive notes. I mean, we got final thoughts, and I can't imagine too many of our final thoughts are going to be positive. (laughs) So let's still try to uh, sandwich uh, this with starting with some no your no-go, and then we'll do a go-go afterwards. So a round of no-goes here. 
I'll let Stoner go first. Stoner, you can't cheat me now. Mm. Okay. okay. Stoner I, likes I, to do this thing where he's <laughs> just like, well, I'm not going to name this guy. And, I, and there's this guy who is also bad, <laughs> but I'm not going to. Yeah. There are too many mouths to feed today, Stoner. You get one. Right. So I'm not going to name all those guys <laughs> that you were, you were threatening. Me. Okay. That's fine. It's for me, it's pretty simple. Eric B is the no go on this. Eric B has the job, his job of all the other things that we talk about of being an offensive coordinator. His job is to protect his quarterback and put his players in the best position to be successful. And he's not doing that most of the year. And he definitely didn't do it this game. He didn't protect his quarterback properly. He didn't give the opportunities that guys need in space to make plays. Wink Martindale is not some rookie defensive coordinator. Wink Martindale has been around for like 40 years. You know what he's going to do. You know, he's going to blitz, 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 blitz. You have to draw up plays to combat that blitz to keep your quarterback healthy. So Eric Bieniemy, by far and away, it's not even close, is my no-go for this game. All right, JP, who is your no-go for the Washington versus New York game week seven? I think it's hard not to go to the offensive side. Now, since he went general with Eric Bieniemy, I will go very specific. I think all of us, when we watch an NFL game on TV, we never really notice the center. Right. Unless they point out the center, unless they show, you know, Jason Kelsey coming out and smashing somebody. We never notice them. Yesterday, I noticed the the commander center. Nick Gates had a horrible day. I mean, he just got beaten like a drum on a couple of those sacks that we're talking about. Where immediately a defensive lineman is in Sam Howell's face. So I'll give him the no go. Yeah. The one thing he brings to this team is attitude, which is great. Sometimes you need that Ricky Incognito. You guys remember oh, him? He he was not a great offensive lineman, but he had attitude. Oh, Nick I think Gates. he was way better than Nick Gates. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably true. Nick Gates also not a very good offensive lineman, but he does bring a lot of attitude. It's funny that you picked the center because I was thinking about this and I rewatched the game. I remember live seeing some of these snaps that were just awful. Cheeseman continues to be a problem. Did you know that there was a fumble on special teams that Tressway recovered? Did you guys know that? That was actually, it was wiped out. Didn't pay out. attention to it. Yeah, wiped out because Castro Fields ran out of bounds and the right. New York Giants were holding on the punt return. So those were offsetting. They had a re-kick, but it was that ball bounced off the ground and Tressway had to pick it up before punting. The punt before, he had mm. to jump up to grab it Mm. And we've seen you, you have a 27 yard field goal blocked, and it was over that general area of the long snapper. You just can't have it. So Cheeseman's my no go. Just absolutely. <laughs> He's had snap issues all year round. All right, JP, let's go. To, I know in a 14 seven division loss where you have six punts or sorry, six, three and outs. In the first half, there's not going to be a lot of go-go's to go around. But if you did have a go-go, who is it going to be? I'll give it to Chase Young. He ends up with two sacks. I think on one of the sacks, um, he was unblocked. The one thing that I would hope for Chase Young to take to the next level is you look around in the league at some of these top edge rushers like Miles Garrett. Well, Miles Garrett, not only did he have a couple of sacks, he's forcing fumbles, he's jumping over linemen to block field goals. You look at T.J. Watt, he had a key interception. 
Maybe that will come in time. All that said, most of us didn't know what to expect from Chase Young this year. Great rookie season, wins rookie mm-hmm. of the year. Second season, complete disappointment before he gets hurt. Can't really comment on the third season. They choose not to extend him. He's playing pretty good at times. I'm not saying he's playing perfect. I don't know where pro football focus ranks him, but the guy had two sacks, so I will give him a go-go and give him some credit. I think he had, at least for the game, he had like a 90 rating. He was the top-rated defender for Washington in the game. For the year, he's 22nd for in PFF, so out of 64. So he's basically right there in that top third, right on the edge of the top third, which Again, is pretty it's good. it's kind of hard to give anybody – yeah. on the defense that much credit when you yeah. rank 29th in yardage and yeah. 29th in points per game. But I will give him credit for this game. He played well. All right, so I'm going to go – I'm going to do the thing where I'm not going to give it to this guy or that guy or whatever. <laughs> but sometimes we overlook some of the guys who just week in and week out, they play well. Sure. And Terry McLaurin, week in and week out, plays well. He makes massive catches. When he gets pummeled, he makes catches. He holds on to the ball. And I don't know how he didn't get concussed on that play either because he hit his head hard on the ground and pops right up. And so I'm going to give it to Terry McLaurin. Offensively, they weren't great, but he did his job very well. So Terry McLaurin is my go-go for this game. That's I think that's a fair one. Sometimes you do need a praise. Uh, you guys both taking starters and stars for this team. I'm going to take somebody who I trust. Another Cheeseman play? Some I, obscure guy? Who not obscure. Not oh, obscure. he's obscure, I bet. If I know who you're taking. I, 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 on draft day, I absolutely eviscerated this uh, player. Yeah, well, not draft day. It was day three guy. But Chris Rodriguez right now is looking like the best running back mm. Washington has. We, we all know B-Rob, he runs tough, and he got a fine for bulldozing the guy. I'm a big Antonio Gibson guy because I think that he's very dynamic and you can use him all over the field. But Chris Rodriguez just continues to impress by just sticking his foot in the ground and just hitting the holes and getting those yardage. That when Eric Bietami does decide to run, that's who he's deciding to run. So he's going to be my go-go. I almost, I almost went with Quan Martin too, by the way. I, I, I don't know the answer here. I think I know the answer, but I haven't studied the box score so much that I've memorized it. Did he end up with like 21 yards? 31 what did yards. Give you? 31, 31 yards off 31. of seven carries. Off of seven carries. 4.4. <laughs> I mean, bad. that's 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 decent, right? Hey, I mean, you would run that points. guy more. We can say we're grasping for straws to find yeah. some logos. Oh, yeah. so Nathan, now all of a sudden you're saying four yards a carry is pretty good. Well, do you I, know the commander's average four yards a carry yeah. for the entire season? Again, I'll give you that they had 4.4 yards after that last sack, and they they only had – if I'm going to have to look back to see how many of these were successful, like how many of them were close to getting a first down or at least on first down getting 50% because they did have runs of 0, 2, 1, and 1. But, I mean, the rest of these were 4, 5, 4 yards, 6 yards, 8 yards, 9 yards. So, I mean, they had opportunities. One of the four yarders was Sam Howell. Uh, designed run for what for what is worth. Exactly. He, he, yep. he did pull that one down for himself, picked up four yards there. So this game, JP, was very frustrating. We started trying to get into it in the second half. I know you, you reached out to my man Stoner to ask us about our if our reactions are real and mm-hmm. then talked about it on the show and whatnot. They're, they're genuine. We get too far into this. It's going to be hard on Sunday 
with the Eagles coming to town. If you're doing this for another 10 years, though, okay, now you guys are fans of the team. I find it hard to believe that you're going to have the same fervor and enthusiasm. It'll hurt you, but I think it would be more muted, your reactions. That's all I'm saying. I'm just, you know, it's, it's a broken record with this team. Now, I'll admit I'm not a fan, like, true and true of the commanders. I would like them to win for my job's sake because I'd rather have the town, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, into the team versus apathy, which often comes up when a team is, you know, 6-10. and Now you've got 17 games. If they finish 6-11, and well, people are just going to feel like same old skins. But maybe it is 100% genuine. I just was postulating that maybe you're juicing it up a little bit. Very good editing. I think you guys do a great job. (laughs) Well, we appreciate it. The the Giants game – leaving a bad taste in our mouth. Is there any hope Sunday against the Eagles? I mean, it's the NFL, right? Did you have the bills losing this week? Nope. No. Anything can happen. Do I think it's likely? No. I think that they had their best game against the Eagles and had an opportunity to win the game. If they go for two points or if they win it in overtime, right? It's a great position. Could they do it again? It's possible. These teams obviously know each other. And in some respects, I remember thinking before that game, kind of what we've discussed, Sam Howell sacks, offensive line. I figured that the Eagles defensive line was going to murder Sam Howell. You know, Jalen Carter at that time was getting all this hype and all the guys that we've, I mean, I watched them last night against the Dolphins and they look good, right? They got all these names on defense. And I figured that that was going to be a huge factor. And for the most part, even though if you do look at the tally, Howell was sacked five times. Five times, yeah, 32 yards. It didn't feel like it in the game. It didn't feel like the Eagles defensive line dominated the commander's offensive line. And obviously they were right in it. And we've talked about the balance. Um, They didn't necessarily run for seven yards a carry, but that was a very winnable game. So, yes, there is some hope. However... I think they're on the brink, possibly of something. Like, look, I thought the Commanders were going to go seven and ten going into the season. Right. I wasn't buying into a lot of this hype that oh, they're so much better than they were last year, and they're eight eight and one. The schedule was going to be tougher, right? That seems to be one of the biggest factors in the NFL every season: the way the schedule sets up for you. Um, but I hearken back to the end of the Shanahan era and the end of the Gruden era. Those were spectacular crashes, Mm -hmm. okay? Spectacularly bad. And I think they're on the brink of potentially having a spectacularly bad crash. Mm. We never thought that because we think that they're too talented for that. We think that that 8-8-1 last year, that they would kind of be in that ballpark. But I mentioned it earlier on the show. You got Philadelphia next. That could be a loser. Then you go to New England. That could be a loser. Then you go to Seattle. That's probably going to be a loser. Then what all of a sudden you're at three and seven? Yeah. I mean, it could be one of those just dreadful, dreadful seasons. And then at that point, maybe you do remove Ron and see what happens if you have the enemy. But we know that it's not going to matter when you put in an interim coach. I joked uh, on the show today. I was like, well, where's Jeff Saturday? Maybe they could bring him in. <laughs> Yeah, why don't they bring in like a Ryan Kerrigan or or who does London Fletcher? He's a guy right. that would come out of the booth or whatever and into the, <laughs> to a head coaching role. Doc uh, Walker, let's just go Doc all Walker, the way back and uh, <laughs> and uh, 
use i mean if we're wanting old school football might as well get with the uh, doc on that one so jp we appreciate you jumping on with us stoner you got anything final i mean i've been saying for three weeks at least three weeks maybe four weeks that it seems like eric the would learn his lesson from the previous game and see that he can't just drop back three to one uh over running the ball but it he doesn't seem to change so i guess he's not going to change so I would like to see something different in this game. I would like to see them handle things a little bit differently against Philadelphia, and we'll see if that happens. But I don't have high hopes. I think you're right, JP. I think he's just a stubborn guy that says, I'm doing things right. I'm designing good plays. I'm giving you your checkdowns. You know what? I'm telling you what you should do, and all you guys are not uh, executing these plays. So I don't have a lot of high hopes now because of this, but it is only three and four. By the by, this time in two days, I'll be really excited for this game and getting pumped up and figuring out ways that Washington could win. But right now, the day after, not feeling good. Yeah, watch rewatching it. Nothing really happy about that game yesterday from the Washington Commanders. I've got this feeling in my stomach that mm-hmm. there's change on the horizon. Ron Rivera non-committal on saying that he would start Sam Howell the rest of the season. So that tells me we're probably one or two bad losses away from seeing Jacoby. Hold on. Hmm. He said this? He would, someone he who was, was non-committal? Him, someone asked him if he would start yeah. it, and he gave a very Ron Rivera coach-speak answer. Interesting. So we will definitely talk about that this week. You can join us live Friday, or sorry, live Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern. And of course, we got your daily commanders update. We'll have Mike Gill give us our preview for the Eagles on Saturday as well. JP, again, thanks for joining us here on Ref the District. I'm Nathan. That's the stoner here on the Believe Network. And until next time, do something different. Be a fan. Here we go.